How many hours and years of our lives do we spend on work? For nearly all of us, we spend 30 plus years and one third of our days in our vocation. More time, perhaps, than we spend at rest or at play. But this isn't a problem. Why? Because work is good. Work needs to be integrated deeply into our lives and must be in line with our most important goals and values. And if it is, we have a far more complete and fulfilling life experience. Welcome to the How People Work podcast, where we explore the intersection of how humans think and act and how they apply themselves to their work. When you understand both of these things, you'll be equipped to be insightful, compassionate, and compelling leaders. Welcome back to How People Work. Uh, my name's Jordan Peace. I'm sitting here with Jason Murray, my co-host. Excited to talk to you today about some very, very technical topic um, about how to get the very most out of your people. We're going to talk about time management. We're going to talk about change management. So much management. What is change We're management? not going to talk about I don't about even know. None of those Will things. there be stakeholders? That would be absurd. <laughs> there will be stakeholders. Perfect. No, actually, we're going to talk about something that, act- that in real life... Uh, helps employees be productive, and it is happiness. All right. Shocker. Yeah. Crowd goes quiet. Um, yes, happiness. In At fact, work. we, uh, not we, we are not researchers, we are not academics necessarily, um, but through much research uh, have affirmed the fact that happiness is actually a key, uh, has a key um, tie to this idea of productivity amongst employees. And it's also just a really good thing all by itself. All by itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's probably a little ironic because I mean, my role in fringe until recently is largely been talking with customers and prospects yeah. for the better part of four years. And whenever I would talk to people, people or HR people, uh, you would not get any kind of pushback whatsoever around the notion of happiness for people or employees being a good thing. Right. And so the disconnect seemingly is executives and company leaders Damn executives. like ourselves. Yes. Um, that, uh, for whatever reason, you know, don't connect with that or mm. don't feel that it's maybe a, a, a business metric that merits any kind of real uh, inspection when it comes to thinking about how you run your organization or Mm. measure things that are relevant when it comes to people and whatnot. And so um, that is something that we hope to dispel today um, because there are many facts and much research that I think uh, draw a very direct line between happiness and productivity is something that ought to be really core to what we're trying to do is with people and individuals and as a company. Yeah, last week we attacked work-life balance and today yes. we'll attack the notion that Perfect. happiness doesn't matter. Yes. This is becoming a little Mythbusters-ish, yeah. I believe, but I'm, I'm totally fine with yeah. it. Yeah, well, we were just looking at a old Super Bowl commercial of the, the office linebacker, so now I'm just imagining him like tackling, you know, these ideas. That's super cheesy. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Can I say nerd alert again? Yeah. I think I'll squeeze that into every episode and it'd be really easy to do. Actually. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. I'll own it fully. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So happiness is kind of the key topic. Um, there's probably a couple of propositions that I have here. One I think yeah. is that happiness is underrated mm. uh, for some of the reasons that we just stated, or at least underrated by certain people and mm. leaders within organizations. And that um, secondly, happiness is a direct driver of productivity, that they're really closely linked to one another um, in some ways that we'll talk about. So I think where it'd be helpful to start is just what, what do we mean when yeah. we say happiness? Like, what are we actually talking about? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it'd be important to look at some of what you've been reading in terms of what the, how the researchers are defining sure. that happiness, right? Um, but I would hope that it is deeper than the dopamine hit received when we, you know, check a box on our to-do list or right. when someone says a nice compliment and that thing that fades within about 30 seconds and then kind of we're back to our default mental state, whatever that was right. prior to that little dopamine hit. Right, right, right. Yeah, so there's really three kind of main areas, I guess you'd say, that there's consensus from... Uh, researchers and psychologists around. So one is just really simple, subjective well-being. So it's kind of like, how do you define, you know, happiness? Well, it's whatever you feel. Mm. Um, in some ways, is kind of how you would uh, say that. And so if you evaluate your life as positive or satisfying or fulfilling, that the positive emotions associated with that would uh, be defined as happiness. Right. And so um, another more technical, which I'll admit I didn't know before this podcast when I was doing my research, is what they call eudaimonic well-being. Should have um, been my word of the day. But I actually think, yeah, that should have been. <laughs> um, and so while I didn't know the word, I think the concept itself is actually very deep and maybe even the most significant way that we could think about happiness. So it's the sense of fulfillment and purpose that comes from living a meaningful and fulfilling life. And mm. so it's often associated with autonomy, competence, uh, sense of community and relatedness. And then what we were talking about in the last episode was um, being engaged with things that align with your most important values and goals. Mm. And so that being a key driver of happiness there. And then the third, um, which is maybe the most basic hedonic pleasure, um, which are the emotions and sensations that just come from enjoying some of the more basic things in life. And I see. So I see. We will. Enough said. Yeah. Yeah. Enough maybe said. leave that one to the side. Um, as and And I think Part of the reason for that um, isn't that it's not important, right, but of not. most of the research has shown that that particular aspect of happiness isn't generally associated with sustained happiness. And mm. I think that's what we want to really focus yeah. on kind here. Of that is, dopamine hit idea. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, a, an example of that would just be like food. You know, mm. so food is something that you know triggers positive emotion in us when we eat it right. and we consume it. It makes us happy, um, but it doesn't help us develop yeah. new skills to move through life or you know um, create a drive to experience new things yeah. because it satiates. And so right. that actual like satiation mm -hmm. biologically means that it's just not going to be something that sustains yeah. that feeling of happiness in the same way that. Um, purpose, meaning, fulfillment, will. Right. So I think those are important distinctions here. Well, it's something that's coming from without as opposed to something that's coming from within. Yeah, that's right? a, it's a really good way to put that, it. That first definition, which I think is not one to skip over either, that self-defined idea. I've all, all often heard this idea that happiness is a choice, mm -hmm. right? And to some degree, I actually think there's some truth to that, right? Mm -hmm. the, the perspective, the 
the belief that I, I, do, I have a good life. I have a lot to be grateful for. Right. I, that honing in on what is good and choosing to focus on that, I think can have a really big impact on that emotional experience of happiness. I don't think it's something to skip over altogether to get to that you didn't say it again? Eudaimonic. Eudaimonic. I'm never going to get that. You really enunciate well, that. Eudaimonic. Daimonic? Yes. Okay. I just keep hearing um, yeah. demonic in my head. Um, the sense of fulfillment and purpose, right? This, this, the deeper thing like that. Obviously, that's where we're going to spend most of our time talking about right. this and studying this and, and looking at the research. Um, but I also just wanted to call out that first part because it's, we shouldn't skip over the fact that when you, say survey employees, for example, and they say that they're happy. Right. That that should be considered. Right. Right. Especially if it's something that is anonymous and you don't you don't know they have no reason to lie when right. you don't know who's answering the survey. Yeah. Right. So if they're identifying as happy. That that's an important data point. Yeah, well and it's actually yeah. probably one of the most accurate things that we can ask an employee to report on when it mm. comes to engagement surveys. So um, some of you all out there might be familiar with Marcus Buckingham's research, but one of the things that he talks about when it comes to engagement surveys, feedback, and things like that is that we're terrible assessors of other people, but we're great and accurate assessors of our own state of being. And mm. so when you ask somebody about their feeling of happiness, that we can actually reliably use that in our employment data mm. as a reference point for happiness and things of that nature. So yeah. I think it is uh, valid. Plus, plus one for narcissism. That's right. That's great. <laughs> um, so I think what's interesting, we mentioned this at the top of the episode, is that a lot of leaders dismiss happiness. The mm -hmm. notion of happiness is something that's maybe soft or it's just kind of a qualitative metric. Right. It really doesn't have anything to do with real work. Yeah. And so, I mean, a question that would be interesting to kick around a little bit is why, why is it overlooked in that way? Uh, it's mushy. Mm. You know, I, first of all, right. I, I think there's, um, there's an ego there. There's a, um, there's a leftover idea that this is a transaction. I'm paying you to do work. Just get it done. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I'll pay you money, right? So, I mean, that's the... yeah. Um, I don't care how you feel. I don't care how you feel. Yeah. I don't have to care how Happy, you feel. Happy, sad, should I it doesn't care? matter. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think there's um, an unwillingness to engage on things that are emotional mm -hmm. because, well, for the reasons I just said, but also maybe the fear of that that's a slippery slope. Right, that well, we're not really supposed to be friends. We're supposed to be coworkers. This is not a family. It's a team. Is right, nah. and there's this sense of like I don't want to go there. Right, um, and also, you know, I, I don't know. I guess if I guess if you're a, I guess if you're a leader and you're thinking I'm gonna ha get into kind of an emotional engagement with my employee. This is a person that I might have to fire someday. Like I, I can't. I don't want to know about whether or not they're happy. Uh -huh. right? like, so I think there's some fears. Yeah. There's some fears there. I don't think their fears are legitimate. I don't think the fears should cause us to overlook these things. Mm -hmm. But I'm just you know, trying to identify some of the reasons why we might push back against the notion. Maybe to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe they're thinking, how could I impact that? Right. How, even if we study it, like what what does this work have to do with their happiness if yeah. they're not happy it's probably this is an assumption that's being made 
it's probably because things aren't okay at home. There's probably right. an issue with this, that, and the other, right? Right. Um, because it's not the work it couldn't possibly exactly, be. Exactly. We assume yeah. what's happening not at work is what's kind of controlling their emotional life and right. their state of being, which it can be. Certainly. It can be, yeah, very much. But it also could be very much about the people right. in the room or the virtual room or whatever, right? Um, and those relationships or or the task is. Is too difficult or too easy, yeah. You know, or whatever the case may be. And well, it so, goes the other way too. I mean, yeah. there's lots of research on you know the experience of happiness at home, right? Because of what's happening at work. So mm. it's you know mm-hmm. a little ironic in some ways that you know we're we're talking about it from the perspective of maybe yeah. those things influencing right. you know that feeling of happiness an employee has at work and how that relates to productivity. But you know what happens at work very much has very direct impact yeah. on, you know, the satisfaction of family members and kids even in, yeah. in particular. Yeah. And, um, so I think it's those things. And then probably the thing that you're trying to dispel here to begin with is that it actually is impactful, right? So if I don't believe that this is a statistic that matters, right? Right. If you tell me that we had a 3% increase in our health insurance claims experience last year. Right. Right? Like, oh, the, the ears perk. Oh, what? People missing work? What? The, our, our premiums are going to go up? Or like, yeah. I can tie it to dollars so quickly and so fast. Yeah. Right? That it's just like, okay, well, there's a stat I want to hear. Right? Right. Um, and so some of it is just, I think, the, the maturity of the research that, that needs to come out and get more widespread to help people look past, well, it's a little mushy. Well, it's a little intimate. Yeah. But it's worth looking at, yeah, right. And and sadly, typically, it's it's the financial realities that cause leaders to break through the barriers of their fear mm-hmm. and engage with something new. Yeah, yeah. well, it's the easiest way, and I, yeah, I think I mean, way. you and I, you know, have our role and kind of the demands of you know our positions inside of Fringe have changed a lot over the last four years, and yeah. I I have some sympathy, I guess you might say, for those leaders. I, I mean, I don't think it's correct right maybe the way the decisions right. are being but made you can but yeah sitting on a board yeah. and you know being a part of financial conversations and looking at the metrics of a company the way that we're required to do now yeah. um it's easy to see how mm-hmm. you can get stuck on uh, there's not a single place on a balance sheet or PL that happiness shows up Mm-mm. as remotely practical right. and so the whole notion of that being something that's a real core business driver, I think is, is, um, challenging to say the least. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at at best, at best, we've got some data at this point that's pretty firm around retention Mm -hmm. and you can tie happiness to retention and then go, Oh, okay. Now I understand how this saves me money. Mm -hmm. Right. But the, the two problems, right? Like one, that's not deep enough financially it's not well-rounded enough financially but also the perspective outside of the finances altogether is missing that i work with human beings and i should want to impact them in such a way that i help them to be happier and more fulfilled and and to flourish yeah like that should be a goal regardless of the rest yeah so that i I mean i think that's kind of got to sneak in through the back door of the bottom line to sometimes get people's attention but often if you can wake them up and help them remember that these are people, yeah, right, then you can get more fully into the minds and hearts and make some change. Yeah, so I think that, that's actually an idea I want to stay on for yeah. a few minutes here because, I mean, we have some data and we have some research that we want to talk about that I think helps kind of prove out some of the ROI around yeah. this. But I think 
you know, I'd, I'd love to say maybe more idealistically, like, why should we care about right. happiness to begin with? And so right. you started to touch on that a little bit, but why, why should happiness matter to us yeah. as maybe company leaders? Well, you know, happiness, happiness is like sneezing, right? And it's like somebody sneezes. Please explain. No, excuse me, yawns, not yawning. I take it back. Okay. Not like sneezing. It's like yawning right? It's Somebody yawns, you got to yawn. Okay. You can't not do it. And the next person does it before you know it. All the air is gone in the room. Uh-huh. But it's, it's one of those things that you can't be around a person that is happy and not crack a smile. Somebody that's just had the best day and they walk into a room or a virtual room and they're just lit up and they got a story to tell and something great happened. And it just, it just catches on. Right. And, and that is on a, on a shallow momentary level, but it's also on a deeper, more permanent level. When you're around a bunch of satisfied people that they, they're grateful for their life and the relationships in their life and they just, they just have that attitude, it just rubs off so much. And the only reason I bring all of that up is because these leaders should care for their own sake, mm-hmm. right? Because the pursuit of helping others be happier is what makes human beings happy, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what makes us happy is the pursuit of helping and uplifting others, right? Mm-hmm. That's why Gen Z is, I, I've read in many different places, poised to be the most philanthropic generation ever, mm. right? They don't have any money yet, so it's that you can't measure it on dollars, <laughs> right? but on vol- volunteerism, for yeah. example. They're like 6% higher volunteerism from the age group of like 15 to 19 than even the age group of 20 to 24. Wow. Right? I didn't know that. So like, and, and, and why, right? I mean, I'm going to get into a big tangent here, so I, I apologize, but like, we talked about this in the last episode, right? Around the what's gone each era of kind of human history and like what's become more and more and more true. The, and in the wealthier country you live in, is that surviving is really easy, mm-hmm. right? When you wake up tomorrow morning, there's not one time that will ever cross your mind. I hope I have enough food and shelter today, right? Right? Or I, or I hope my child doesn't die from the common cold. Right. Right. You won't think that you don't have to think that. Right. That's wonderful in and of itself. That's great. Right. But when you don't spend your time thinking about surviving, right, you can go one or two different directions. Right. Mm -hmm. You can think about human flourishing and you can think about serving others and you can think about really uplifting those around you so that others can experience that same lack of worry, lack of doubt, lack of anxiety around the basic needs of life. Or you can get just really, really into yourself, mm-hmm. right? And just exploring how wonderful and unique you are and how great your thoughts are that no one else has ever thought in human history. And you can get really, really self-centered. And you see people do that, right? And where does it lead? Mm-hmm. Just misery, right? right? Just misery. Self-absorption. Right, the self-absorption never leads to a great place. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, 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 all, I bring all of that up just to say these leaders if they're so self-absorbed that they can't see that the happiness of their employees is important, then they're really doomed to never experience very much happiness themselves. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, at worst their employees are simply means to an end for their own purposes, which aren't, you know, which won't won't be fulfilling. (laughs) Right. Right. Because if they treat their employees that way, they're going to treat the next people that way once they get the ends that they're justifying through the means. 
Yeah. So yeah. there's, there's, I guess, maybe an operating principle here that we could talk about that's, you know, a vision of happiness. And I think this connects into the concept of productivity that's yeah. rooted in human flourishing. Cause yeah. you know, what you were talking about there is well, sort of the premise that, well, everyone has a right to be happy mm -hmm. and you know, that's in kind of Western society yeah. infused into sort of the basic building blocks of a free society right. and we get to pursue happiness yeah. and, you know, well-being as we define it for ourselves and, you know, have the ability to construct that in our right. lives. And so, right. um, what would be interesting to talk about now is, well, how, how does happiness connect to productivity? Because, yeah. you know, those two things maybe seem at odds with one another to some degree. Yeah. I mean, it's not that hard to understand, right? Like, I, I know we always take it back to kids. We always take it back to kids, right? But like, when I go to my kids and, I, and I'm just a big grump and I'm just like, how does your room look this bad? We just cleaned it to and I've, I'm not a perfect, I've, I've done this speech a couple hundred times, right? Like <laughs> two days ago, how is it this bad? Like, what, what are we, wild animals? Like, yes. and I'm just, right? And they are, right, to an extent. And I'm just like, clean it, shut the door, right? Like how much happiness is taking place in the room and how much productivity is taking place, right? There, right? There's two paths that I can take after I give that speech. I can go back in there and I can double down. Yeah. And I can be scary daddy and I can be like, clean up the house, right? Yeah. And they'll be productive for five minutes mm -hmm. out of just kind of fear, mm -hmm. right? Out of just like, oh, he was, did you see that? Yeah. You know, that was serious. Crazy ass. But I'm going to have to go back in five and a half minutes later and triple down to get another four minutes of productivity. Right. Out, right. But if I walk in and I'm like, guys, Check out the room. Looks pretty terrible, right? <laughs> like, do you remember what it was like when your room was clean and you had all this room to like run around and do cartwheels and explore? And like, you remember how much fun, fun that moment was when we finished cleaning it last time? Let's do it again. Mm -hmm. And then I, I grabbed the first toy and I grabbed the first whatever pair of dirty seven-year-old boy underwear and put it in the, like, you know, <laughs> carried right. over to the... Um, Whatever the damn thing's called. Yeah. You know, the laundry basket. And they're like, let's do this. Right. You know, yeah. and they will work 30, 40. I mean, these are little kids. They'll work 30, 40, 50 minutes. Right. And they'll crank it out. Yeah. And yeah, occasionally they'll have to be like, hey, we working or playing? Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, kind of re Both. redirect, right? And there's a little bit of play in there too. But, and, and, and I don't even necessarily have to stay the whole time. Yeah, I could be like, "Hey right, guys, I'll be back in a few minutes," and they'll keep working because the perspective was I cast a vision for what it was going to be like when they were done, mm -hmm. and I jumped into the work with them, and it was all very. There was no blaming. There was no "you suck." There was no "why are you such animals?" There was. We didn't focus on how ugly it was right. to begin with, right? And they're children. Like we, we are just children that got old and have more responsibilities, <laughs> right? There's not a great deal Didn't of Didn't really grow up right? that much. There's not a great deal of difference Still between figuring us, it out. You know, and, and I think, like, why wouldn't adults work the same way yeah. when they see the vision and they feel like they're on a team and they feel like their leader is willing to go first, mm -hmm. right, and to be a part of the work 
and be in the trenches, why would they not be productive? Right. That feels good. Yeah. You know, all of that feels very good, kid, adult, or whatever. Yeah, totally that, agree. That was a long monologue, but... I, I couldn't help but think about... So my dad, you know, is a Marine yeah. when I was growing up, and so a common phrase not I heard... Not just a Marine. He was a drill instructor, a drill instructor for, instructor, for yeah. a few years as well. Um, so there was a phrase... Beatings will continue until morale improves, which I, I will caveat. I was not beat by my father. <laughs> I think that's like a Dilbert. Yeah, I think quote. so. But yeah. he loved it. Yeah. He loved it yeah. um, because, well, being a drill instructor, right? There probably was yeah. a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, and you can on. motivate out of fear. You can. Oh yeah. You know, it's it's not. No one's enjoying it, and they'll leave you for someone that doesn't make them feel scared as soon as they can. But. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's something about this idea of productivity too that's really important because um, it it contributes to, let's say, the the betterment of human beings and society yeah. or this notion of human flourishing. I think we've now talked about a couple times yeah. in even previous episodes, and um, I think that is an orienting principle. Uh, becomes really significant because then it's not even just about, you know, happiness for the sake of happiness and kind of self-gratification, but it's also, you know, a a higher vision. Like, you know, when you talked about kind of in the example with your kids, like having that vision of, hey, this is what we're aiming for together. That kind of motivates the action and the activity. And so when we think about what we're doing, you know, as you know, individuals within teams or within companies or as a society, I think if we can say, well, hey, we're aiming for human flourishing, all of a sudden, you know, Mm. the degree of my productivity actually becomes a contributor or detractor from that human flourishing. And so I think it orients us to something that's maybe bigger than ourselves that, you know, puts, puts the happiness in a place that uh, becomes more significant because if happiness can help motivate Mm. us towards productivity towards good human ends, then yeah. that, that seemingly is a good thing. Yeah, I think that's excellent. I think it's a great replacement for this idea of employee satisfaction, mm-hmm. right? Satisfaction is, that's compared to what? Compared to my last job, compared to doing nothing altogether. <laughs> like that, it, it's not, when you, when you say, are you happy? Mm-hmm. It, it's tantamount to meaning, to to purpose right right to like the core of who you are right and if you can tie work to the core of who people are and and why they exist and continue to exist i mean you you could survey on that one question yeah you know yeah and 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 that's not not to say that there's no other work to be done right but like that would be i can't imagine a more uh clear kind of heartbeat check Right. You know, I, I, then, then that question. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, and, yeah. you know, the research by psychologists and honestly, I mean, I, leading up to this, you know, I read probably a dozen different actual research papers. I know, you really nerded fo- out on this. Yeah, I did and went really deep. And um, honestly, it was shocking because some of this stuff isn't that, is, is old. I mean, it's right. like 20 years ago, right. you know, researchers were writing about these yeah. things and I was like, oh my well, it gosh. It can't possibly matter then because no one had any good thoughts 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Everyone was an idiot. Totally. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, it's just kind of striking to me yeah. 
how far removed these ideas have been from you know a business setting yeah. when they feel i can't i can't think of things that feel more relevant in some ways right. than these concepts and so um in some of these studies psychologists found that um what they call positive affect and so it's worth distinguishing between kind of happiness well-being and positive affect so positive affect is just the manifestation of the feelings okay. um, that somebody may have. And so in one of these studies, I mean, they did something so basic where they gave people like a 10 minute comedy clip and then asked them to perform a bunch of task oriented problem solving. Hmm. Um, or they like gave somebody like a little gift, yeah, like before it, like a little bag of chocolates yeah. and like those simple things that increased the positive affect that wow. these people felt, uh, literally increased their productivity and completion of these tasks they were assigned by 15 to 20%. And so, I mean, it was astounding that they felt like, right. so it increased the interest and satisfaction. A few laughs or just the yeah. feeling of getting a gift. Just that not really an expensive gift. Just like basic a, feeling. Right. So yeah, we're not even talking. Basic. Here's some little few chocolates. Yeah. yeah. We're not even talking wow. about like the deeper things surrounding yeah. happiness. Right. We're talking about like really surface yeah. level right. happiness kind of things that right. had such a yeah, profound. Like pleasure level stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they found, you know, Wow. It increased interest and satisfaction in the work. It increased creativity in task execution. So people were more creative in solving the problems mm. that they were given as a result of the increased positive affect. Um, it increased actual performance on the problem solving tasks, especially the ones that were more complex and required creativity mm. for solving. So you think about, you know, we're in a technological world, like it's increasingly complex. The kind of work that's needed to be done is requires increasing creativity. Right, right. Uh, what could be more helpful than doing things that help people be more creative? Um, it increased speed in completing the tasks uh, and it increased their focus in completing unpleasant tasks, which I thought wow. was really fascinating too. So, I mean, there's mundane things that all mm. of us have to do in our work. And so even in the mundane tasks that were assigned, it increased the focus and completing those things. And that was just like the really surface level, you know, happiness yeah. kind of stuff. And so what I, what I think is really fascinating is what if we go a little deeper? Cause I, I, in some ways I don't even think it's that hard. So coming back to the notion that we had, um, I got to really enunciate it, the eudaimonic well-being. That's your word, man. So I that one. this is the one that's associated with your values and goals. Mm -hmm. And so why I think that matters is if we can help people lay out their values and goals, which in the last episode you said, hey, one of the things that you could do as an individual, if maybe you're struggling with you know, work or life or just trying to figure out, is like take some time and write down things that are important to you. And actually that task literally connects very directly mm. to this sense of happiness and well-being that yeah. you experience because psychologists also know that human happiness that is the sustained variety right. is experienced in conjunction to feeling that we're making progress mm. towards goals of the highest order that we value and hold in high esteem. And so if we don't have those goals and values, we're not going to be able to experience that sustained happiness. And so I think that's a really mm -hmm. unique way to even think about practical implications for, you know, how do we go about setting up, you know, the employee experience in such a way yeah. that 
you know, people are given the opportunity to maybe right. think about those things. Or why, why prioritize employee experience? Exactly. Right? Why continue to prioritize employee experience in a down market? Right. I mean, right. I, I've gotten questions about that. Why are we still spending money to right. have events and send people gifts and, yeah. you know, like really just enhance people's day? Happiness. <laughs> Happiness. It's right here. Right. A, because it's it's the right thing to do. These these are people it that is. we've we've intersected in our lives, and it's the right thing to do to treat them really well. Right. So just yeah. just sort of on an ethical uh, standpoint, but beyond that. They're going to be far more productive. It's good business. Or it's good business. <laughs> right. It's good business. Um, well, I'm convinced. I, yeah. I hope our listeners are. Um, it's, uh, it's been a fun topic. Um, I, hope, I hope this has been meaningful. I hope especially to any leaders are taken away. <laughs> uh, pay attention to this. Get, past, get over yourself that it's a little mushy. It's a little soft in the beginning. Um, it, it is the right thing to focus on. It has real life and real world real business outcomes. Yeah, Jason. we'll share some links in the show notes oh, as well to the articles. There's a handful so that I think are worth out as yeah. well. Well, and there's some more digestible ones um, that are easier to read too. So. Oh, they'll read the long yeah. ones, I'm sure. I won't, but they will. All right, <laughs> give me a word. What's our word for next week? All right, word for next week is... You ready for it? I'm ready. Malarkey. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be a cakewalk. All right. Good. Uh, well, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week on How People Work. 